Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, We are in the week of January 29th, already rounding the corner um, into a new week and a new month soon. Um, I hope, like I've said before, that your new year is treating you kindly and gently, um, and that if you haven't had the space to slow down, that you are able to make that possible and make that happen. Um, It's just been something that I have very much been feeling a need for, and I wonder and I I think I can probably assume that uh, a few of us need that as well. Um, So we will jump into our text for this week. Um, It is one that we have read and talked about numerous times, but as always, let's see what comes from it. So I'll read from Matthew 5 verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The word of God, the people of God. So the Beatitudes, as these are known as, are everywhere. They're well-referenced and well-remembered as a passage that's contained within Jesus's quote-unquote Sermon on the Mount. Like I've said, we've returned to this passage many times through the lectionary, um, and often it is used in in song, in writing, uh, it is preached on from numerous perspectives everywhere. And some, again, are more expansive in meaning and creating space for those uh, who it pertains to than others. Carol Boston Weatherford has a beautifully illustrated version of this text called The Beatitudes from Slavery to Civil Rights, where she takes each of these verses and draws them um, within the background and the landscape of various events throughout our nation's history from slavery throughout the civil rights period, um, turning towards uh, influential speakers and preachers and prophets and names where God is in that picture. On some 
completely other <laughs> end of the spectrum. Uh, one of my favorite songs by a group called Penny and Sparrow uses the format of the Beatitudes to share a song about sacred connection and intimacy. So with how prevalent it is, how do we make meaning of these Beatitudes? How do we create space for tradition and interpretation and allowing our modern scape of theology, experience, collective wisdom um, to expand our understanding of these verses? Um, There are folks and interpretations who take this, um, perhaps mistakenly so, to be a list of demands, um, something that is an imperative um, instead of something that's indicative and present as a list of encouragements um, and affirmations of each of these um, aspects or, or qualifiers per se. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is important to give some context to, um, because I think what I hope to explore with you all is this balance between um, exploring the wisdom of our experiences um, and then the essence that is present within this text. And there are several New Testament scholars, especially, um, who refer to the fact that the Sermon on the Mount was not a one-time event or even necessarily an event at all. They tell us that what's been handed down um, through Matthew and Luke uh, isn't necessarily a sermon that Jesus would have given in the way that this is written. Instead, it is a handing down of a collection of Jesus' core essential teachings that this gospel writer has presented in this way. Uh, so rather a transcript of something that happened one afternoon up on one mountaintop, um, it is this collection of the essence of Jesus's ministry. So the anonymous gospel storyteller of this gospel that we call Matthew would have well known um, kind of the contents of the sermon, and the followers of Jesus would have known these things well too. Um, if you could imagine, if you have folks in your life who have their go-to sayings or their core beliefs that they make sure, consciously or unconsciously, that are present in almost every conversation, uh, perhaps that is how we get this kind of oral history turned written inscription, um, and it's a distillation of some of, again, Jesus' most essential teachings, ones that were so powerful um, and radical and even threatening uh, to the stability of empire that this was a step uh, towards being executed by the state. They're giving space, expansive space, for folks to feel seen, to feel heard, to be known in ways that had not um, been made so clear or, or even potentially so simple yet so difficult in the same moment to accept and believe and be true. 
But as we know, this passage again, it rep- the Beatitudes represent many things to many people. Um, Barbara Brown Taylor talks about this as an illustration of an embodied dimension of faith. Um, Walter Brueggemann talks about this as a vision of an altern- alternative community. There are several more theologians and authors um, who describe this text. I think they are something that are both completely divinely mystical and also um, show us how the divine sides with the oppressed, how practically it means to live these out. So that was one thing. These aren't just words of Jesus's ministry. This was something that was embodied in practice through direct action that Jesus took and then also was present in these words. So I get kind of caught in this question of, is it really an issue then to allow interpretation and addition if we're going off of an essence, if we are truly seeking to be present to Jesus's essence, then how might we and can't we include modern words and verbiage to describe folks that I truly believe would be included in Jesus's Beatitudes given our particular context. Along the way, sometimes things, especially within the sacred text, get so convoluted, it gets elevated to a level that couldn't be touched, couldn't be added to. Of course, you know, here at Mission Hills, we talk through the Gospel of Thomas and the Gospel of Mary, um, texts that are um, text and oral history and tradition that go beyond the 66 books of a Bible that you can buy at a bookstore or that's contained in that biblical text. We know that there's so much more wisdom um, and experience that points towards the divine. And so I want to include new words from several folks across the spectrum of identity, um, As always, I think we need all of these perspectives and more to create a truly inclusive new beatitude. And I want us to hold those questions as you hear these words, um, that what is the role of tradition and interpretation as we apply it to our current understanding? And what do you make of these new beatitudes? What does your conscience and experience call you to add to the list? Who's missing? I want and I hope for us to see that there is beauty in this whole realm of rewriting and creating, reclaiming, and then also creating new. I talk about this all the time within our space of worship music, right? That there is space to perhaps rewrite something that's been old, that's been used, uh, that holds core memories for us, but maybe the theology needs a little bit of help. And then there's also a place for new things to come from our new experiences to truly represent our whole. Right? That's why it's powerful when someone who's trans writes a worship song that folks can sing and can sing wholeheartedly and don't have to question whether or not they're being manipulated 
within the text, the words, the theology. That's why it's powerful to rewrite certain words within a hymn that it recognizes where we've come from, but also says we don't have to stay there. So with that, let me offer um, some words. The first um, is by Reverend Becky Withington. Um, the second, who's a pastor of Pilgrim Congregational Church. Um, the second kind of part of this that I'll read through is by Esther Lowen, who's a trans woman, also a pastor. And then the third um, is the First Nations version of this text, um, which I've read from before. And again, um, I'll also add in the images from um, from Carol uh, Weatherford about um, the, the children's book that she created. So with that said, uh, let me read for us now a new beatitude. Blessed are the marginalized, for they are extravagantly welcome in the culture of God. Blessed are those who care for the earth, for they promote a healthy, dynamic ecosystem that cares for all. Blessed are the bold, for they see the culture of God manifest before their eyes. Blessed are the empathetic, for they heal the brokenness of the world. Blessed are the inclusive, for they see through the eyes of love. Blessed are those with integrity, for their hearts, minds, words, and actions are one. Blessed are those who commit themselves to peace, for they disarm violence. Blessed are those who organize, struggle, and sacrifice for freedom and equality, for they bend the moral arc of the universe towards justice. Blessed are we in the amazing diversity of our ethnicity, age, ability, and orientation, for we make visible the glory of creation. Blessed are people who self-harm the hopeless, the traumatized, the disassociated, and the depressed, you belong. Blessed are those with scars on their bodies and on their hearts, whose souls have been marked by the brutality of life, for they know the meaning of love and of healing. The creator of the universe sides with people who keep their heads down, too weary to speak up. They've absorbed shame, microaggressions, and discrimination. She sides with those who are in the closet, hiding to stay safe. You are enough. God is on the side of the wrongly convicted and punitively punished. The divine marches with protesters of injustice. They speak through community educators and activists and inspire prophets of futures not their own. The merciful are the lucky ones. For in their weakness, they are strong. They're blessed by going to coffee with bigots, naming truth to the ignorant, and returning insults with calm boundaries. By preserving their dignity in the midst of mockers' contempt, they've struck the mystical jackpot. Blessed are trans kids, whose pure hearts long to express themselves, and to be cherished, and to be protected. Blessed are those who vulnerably open their hearts to the world, for it is only they who will taste joy. 
Blessed are peacemakers who shape shift to belong. Blessed are those who don't have identities or opinions, but instead hide in the reflection of others' projections. You are God's children. Blessed are the persecuted, those who lose their careers for being transgender. Blessed are the vilified, the misunderstood, and demeaned. Blessed are the persecuted, who risk their lives by driving to the store, who are shot dead by representatives of the state, who are raped and not believed, whose basic rights are legislated out of existence. God is on your side, and this is not the end. Creator's blessings rest on the poor, the ones with broken spirits. The good road from above is theirs to walk. Creator's blessings rest on the ones who walk a trail of tears, for he will wipe the tears from their eyes and comfort them. Creator's blessings rest on the ones who walk softly and in a humble manner. The earth, the land, the sky will welcome them and always be their home. Creator's blessings rest on the ones who hunger and thirst for the wrongs to be made right again. They will eat and drink until they are full. Creator's blessings rest on the ones who are merciful and kind to others. The kindness will find its way back to them full circle. Creator's blessings rest on the pure of heart. They are ones who will see the great spirit. Creator's blessings rest on the ones who make peace. It will be said of them, they are the children of the great spirit. Creator's blessings rest on the ones who are hunted down and mistreated for doing what is right, for they are walking the good road from above. In all of this, I just see so much beauty from an expansive and truly inclusive beatitude. One that I think gets at the essence of Jesus' ministry and personhood. That this text can be used for whoever and wherever you might be in your own spirituality. That there is truth in justice. That there is truth in belonging. That there is truth in our desire to love and be loved. These things are important, and we need all of it. And so I hope in this we are inspired to find new words, to find new space where it hasn't been before. Because there is so much more that is possible when there is. I hope that you'll be able to join us on Sunday for conversation. Uh, maybe some laughs, maybe some tears, um, as we try to see what we can do um, with this essence. So with that, as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest.